2: welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto-Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. BlenderEd, Blender H D. If you're to follow me on Twitter, and it's Monday, August 14th, and you know what we do on Mondays? It's Mondays with McCool. Bringing in my co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, as well as the Advanced Player's Guide with his custom Excel tools. You can get them both. TheoryofDFS.com, it's James McCool. Prepping, you got you got five days. Five, six days. Is is the live final slate? Is it the Sunday slate, or is it the Saturday night? Is it's the Saturday night slate, right? Yeah, Saturday
3: night, and then we also have a a three hundred k showdown Sunday night at the Padres game.
2: So. Oh, okay. So you, you get it, it's afterwards. A lot of times at these mm-hmm. things, the showdown is like the night, like Friday night would be the right. showdown, and and that's and that's like that's you don't have to pay for
3: that. Yeah, they're doing it different this year uh the last live final that i went to down in california um they did it the night before the live final and we all went to the padres game and like there's a whatever the box office or the the office or what's it called Lottery box sure whatever man i don't know i don't go to games um but we all got to hang out there and there was like food and played showdown and um then it was live final next night so this time it's gonna be live final is uh saturday night and then it's, Sunday is the showdown. So,
2: okay. Well, we got, we got people in the chat wishing wishing you good luck. What is here? We'll draw back Daniel Hutchings, nerdy tenor. He, oh. he touched his tick in the last shot. I
3: was going to say, he's not, he's not wishing me good luck. He's hoping he can bake it on himself.
2: <laughs> do, you, do you think you'll be able to, 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 I, I don't know. I don't even know how, how, how he does it. Maybe Daniel in the, in, in the chat. Like if you're, if you're going, if you're going away, are you, Are you able to run your supercomputer from, you know, up or something?
3: Yeah. So my, um, my contest SIM program, I think is, uh, is compact enough to be able to run on my laptop. Um, and I, I have a post to, to a Google sheet anyway. So like that one, I, I think I'm fine there, but I don't know if, if Hutchins programs are, uh, are lighted. They're cloud-based,
2: right? Shouldn't they should, shouldn't they truthfully be cloud-based?
3: Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that a lot of guys, like I know, um, I think it's petty theft. I think he runs all his stuff in AWS, right, in Amazon Web Services. And I know there are other guys that are really tech savvy in the industry that um, that also run their stuff through like Google Cloud or through through different web architectures and stuff like that. Yeah, Hutchins runs all of it in the cloud. So I do not. I run all so, of you're, all you're, of it.
2: Right, so you're going to have to. You're, you're slubbing it with the got to run it off of your laptop.
3: Yeah. Well, luckily my laptop is almost as strong as my work rate. So that was a good investment. So you're
2: bringing to... you in all your stuff. You're bringing all your data. You bring, you're, you're getting, you're getting it all. You're running extra hard drives.
3: Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure to run my contest sims and get the winner, which was a two, one, 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 one yesterday. <laughs> this showed up in my contest sims. And I had people ask me, they're like, you built, you built that to like run through these sims. I'm like, I would never build that, but somebody would. And that's the point of the contest sims is that somebody would build that lineup and that lineup could feasibly win out of 20,000 instances of contest. So uh, would I build a two, one, 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 one with a Toronto two man and one offs from basically every other team on the slate. I even think there was a one off against one of the pitchers that the lineup used. That sounds
2: like a Dean lineup.
3: I wouldn't build that. He, but yes, he, he, like, whenever we going.
2: were we're on these short slates, or I mean it wasn't a short slate yesterday, but he's always like, Well, I don't know if I have to stack, maybe I'll play a pitcher. I bid her against my pitcher. Maybe, maybe that that's that's you're creating lineups for, for to simulate Dean.
3: Yep, that's all I'm doing. I'm just doing, I'm just simulating Dean. That's all I'm doing here. In in my- your in your Sims,
2: did you did you account for the fact that in, in your in your projections and in your in your simulations, mm-hmm. that once a light hitting player goes to Atlanta oh. and they're owned at twenty percent, that they're guaranteed to put up thirty plus points.
3: There are there are points in each MLB season where I just hang them up. <laughs> Every year, there's a point. Nicky where-
2: Lopez' first home run of the season.
3: First home run in two years, years, Jordan.
2: That's that's the time of, okay, once the live final comes, it's NFL season.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, first off, it was Dinky Lopez's first home run in two years. Two years. Uh, It is one of three total times that he's had four or more hits in a game in his entire career. Uh, His previous best fantasy outcome was 28 fantasy points. Okay. He blew that out of the water. I know. 37 fantasy points is... Massive. What was what was his salary? Twenty one hundred.
2: Well, that it, it, don't don't you think it was it was just bad timing? The fact that people stacked the Braves and it's easy to just oh well, I'm just gonna I'll just throw in Nicky Lopez at twenty one hundred as part of the stack.
3: Yeah, I think he was likely like the worst play on the at twenty percent.
2: Did uh, <laughs> was he was he worse than Zach Gilop's two home runs at twenty five percent?
3: Yes, yes, he was. <laughs> Because Zach Eloff has has shown a little like uh, sure He actually does hit
2: home, home runs. runs, right? He has like seven or eight or something
3: this right. year. Right. He, he has 1.3 FR so far as a rookie in 25 games. Like he's been, and then that's and that's playing for Oakland. Yeah, he's been he's been pretty good. Like I wasn't even tilting the Zach Eloff thing in terms of like his ownership or like him as a player, like whatever. I didn't care about that. Um, it was the fact that it was the fact that he was the only thing that made you cash yesterday. There were people who beat me in the 250 yesterday that had a negative five from Zach Eflin simply because they had Zach Eflin. Like people were cashing lineups. It didn't matter what you had as long as you had Zach Eflin and and Seth Brown, who combined for I think like 60 fantasy points or something. Like you basically could have had any other stack on the slate, and you end up cashing. Uh, I had to fight for my life for a min cash stacking Washington and only having Seth Brown, but I had the two best pitchers on the slate. That was a tilting outcome, but not near as tilting as as a Nicky Lopez thing. I I think that if I would have played that early slate, because I didn't play it, uh, if I would have played it, I don't think that I would have played again until the live final. Like I I legitimately think I would have just said I'm not doing this.
2: Who's that guy going to be for the live final? Who's the who's the guy who's the one off that's going to be forty three percent owned that that double dunks?
3: Probably some rookie call up for the White Sox playing in course. So, are, are you,
2: is your is your plan as of right now? Do you do you think that you're going to be playing Coors bats in the live final? Did did do you know what the predicted pitching on Saturday? I mean, what what have you been doing? Have you have you have you been attempting to look at what the slate could possibly be, or you're the type of person where you just you're just gonna you're going to play every day in an environment that's similar to the live final by playing these smaller field contests and just take what, what the slate gives you.
3: Yeah. That's the biggest thing. I think the biggest thing for me right now is process uh, because it is so hard. Like yesterday. So yesterday in the actual models over at Patriot, um, I had Houston and the angels as the two best overall sacks by like a pretty significant margin. Right. I had, I had Houston with a 40% chance to score eight plus runs. I had uh, the Angels with like a 34% chance or something. I don't remember off the top of my head. But they were by far the highest. And then Oakland only had a 21%. Washington only had a 22%. And Pittsburgh had like a 19%. Um, and like Oakland and Washington were chalk. So for me, through the season, I would have faded Oakland and Washington yesterday. Like without a doubt. It wouldn't even have been hard. It wouldn't have been a second thought. But when I ran through the contest sims for small field, it's like okay, uh, Oakland and Washington are like the most valuable stacks in small contest sims. Um, Houston showed up as one-offs, and I think there were like three total stacks of Houston in small cont small field contest sims that ended up winning. But overall they were overvalued because they were too expensive. Like when you have the pitching the way that it was yesterday, getting the Houston stacks was hard.
2: So what's so, the difference? What's the difference? Just just to, to back it up a little. What's the difference between that, that you've seen at least mm-hmm. uh, in small field Sims versus large field Sims? Because it, to me, like if you tell me that Washington and Oakland are over-owned, mm-hmm. right, the The prevailing notion is that typically in large field contests, <laughs> like they don't get as over-owned because people are spreading themselves out. And there are twenty percent of lineups aren't even caring about like projections or anything. And then the small field stuff—that's where you get such condensed ownership. That maybe it's more worthwhile when they're instead of when they're twenty-two percent owned and then they're thirty-six percent owned. But you, you've you seen—I've seen on Twitter that that your small field sims, while those stacks may be still over-owned, the condensement of the stacks is actually warranted to the effect is warranted to some extent it's just a matter of how much of that extent makes it so that it's more valuable to play something else
3: yeah so what we end up seeing is like yesterday trying to find screenshots that i had of it um so for large field stacks for small field stacks and exposures i'll start there uh Small, the small field contest sims had Washington as the optimal um about 16% of the time. 15.83% of total stacks that won in the 20,000 sims were Washington stacks. And then 14% were Oakland.
2: And and when and, uh, let, me, let me just clarify. When you're running the sims, you're running a simulated field.
3: Yes, simulated okay, field. So this this is, is
2: not like you're just running to see, you know, just like, like oh, how, how did, how did this, the average four, five-man, four-man stack score, like... Very similar to like Slate IQ here at Roto Grinders, but you're like you're recreating a field of thirty thousand entries, right. and in the small field, you're recreating a field of three hundred entries, right. and then you're simulating every lineup that you that you're that you're recreating for the field, and then those are those figures.
3: Right. So I'm not creating any lineups myself. Like I I've the the only thing that I'm doing is I'm taking the top five optimals over at Roto Grinders. Um and I am running those through the simulation so that I can measure EV against the like the the rotor grinders optimal, right? Like I want to see that. So I'm not creating any lineups. The the simulations and the 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 seed creation uh is creating all the lineups that are usable for the field based on ownership projection and stuff like that.
2: Which includes Dean's lineups of 2-1-1-1 one, one, one against the...
3: Which know. includes Dean's lineups, right. So I do end up getting like a pretty large portion of Dean lineups or trash, whatever. Right. <laughs> um, so the t- the total buildup of stacks actually yesterday that won in small field was 15, 30, 35, 38, about 41% of the field. Um, in terms of winning lineups, I have 20,000 simulations, about 41% of the time a stack won yesterday. Uh, 16% of those were Washington, 14 were Oakland, 6 were Toronto, 4 were Minnesota, um, and then just trickling down after that. So that was in small field. When we look at large field, uh, we end up seeing it a lot more spread out. It ends up being Oakland is about 5.4%, Washington 5%, Milwaukee 4.5%, uh, Toronto 3.4%, Houston 35 So then we start seeing Houston because in larger fields, there are more combinations that are created with the cheaper low-owned pitchers, right? And those cheaper low-owned pitchers unlock the more expensive bats, hence Houston bats being used more in larger field contests. Um, But overall, the the top optimal stack percentage is only 5.4% with Oakland when we look at large field. So what we see in large field in these simulations is that the stack, like the optimal stack percentage drops quite a bit. And it gets spread out a lot more. But when we look at pitchers, the optimal pitcher is typically more owned in larger field stuff. So Freddie Peralta yesterday was the main pitcher that the contest sims wanted in small field and and in large field. In small field, he was optimal about 57% of the time. Projected ownership was 33%. Um, In large field, he was optimal 63% of the time. So we gained some leverage on him in large field. Because his projection was so much higher than the rest of the pitchers that were available, when he gets paired now with those cheap pitchers, it ends up unlocking more upside from those bats that you get that are more expensive. Like you so,
2: so, so from what I gather, just hearing the information that that you're giving, is that in smaller field contests, that a lot a lot of the construction in baseball on especially on DraftKings is your, your pitcher combinations. Mm-hmm. So like whether you're spending 18, 19,000 on pitching or whether you're spending 14, 15,000, 16 ish thousand. Right. And that's going to be the difference, you know, playing, playing a 10 K pitcher with a 5 K pitcher allows you to get like a nice four plus man expensive mm-hmm. stack, but playing a 10 K pitcher with an $8,500 pitcher means that you have to kind of, that's where the Royal stacks and the national stacks and kind of the cheaper stuff kind of comes in. And from, it seems like in your simulations is that in the small field contests, the pitching ownership gets such condensement that there aren't as nearly proportionally enough lineups that have like the expensive Dodgers, the expensive Braves, the expensive Astros types of stacks the Yankees or whatever that like the only way you could get to those stacks is if you play a 6k pitcher the thing is is that in small field contests that actually happens less right than in large field contests where every cheap pitcher no matter how bad they are are going to be like one percent two percent and one percent of 30,000 lineups is still 300 combinations with that nice. pitcher but in a 300 person contest, like that, that 1% is three lineups. And it's quite possible that it's even on that. It's quite possible that only one or two lineups have that. So like in order to get those expensive stacks in, right. And then you sit, and then you see, obviously the, the, the reverse happens also when right. the chalk is like, Oh, there's, there's two, there's, there's an 8200 $8,200, pitcher that should be 9600 and a 7k pitcher that should be 8500 it's like oh the chalk combination only spends sixteen thousand. that's when that's when the brave stacks are right are high higher owned and then also what you'll see in large field is that that the pitchers that are overpriced right the 10k pitcher that is really should only be five percent owned in the large field contest ends up being eight or nine percent owned And then in the small field ends up being 1% owned, which means that the cheaper stacks are actually less represented in small field versus large field. Because I mean, obviously baseball lineup construction is all built around correlation and teams tend to be similarly priced. The teammates tend to be, if you're going to stack the Braves, you're spending a lot of money. You are you're, you're proud. You're pr- it's, it's hard not to, the Dodgers, it's hard not to. They may be a cheapy year. They may be a Nicky Lopez here and there to be able to fit that in. But it seems to me that from, from a layman's perspective, just, you know, piecing together the concepts that when pitching ownership gets more condensed, it actually, it raises the ownership of the stacks that can, mm-hmm. can, Combinator can can construct with it, and because there are more lineups like that and less lineups like that are the flip of the build, like the winning rate of those stacks just end up going up simply because because the pitching outcomes are less varied.
3: Yep, it's exactly right. So what what ends up happening, and and there's another part to that too that that comes along with it. Um, but what ends up happening is on a slate like yesterday. Uh, The projected ownership of Oakland was actually like about half of what it ended up being. And the reason for that, well, in small field, it was about half of what it projected out being. The reason for that was that most people were jamming in one of Garrett Cole, Zach Eflin, or Freddie Peralta, like a combination of two of those guys. right? So even though in, in my contest Sims, like, I had a, an okay spread of pitchers that were going to be used. I had Peralta, Eflin, Cole. Mitch Keller was another guy, but he was projected at, at decent ownership. But even these guys, their projected ownerships came in a little bit lower than what we would have projected, or that came up a little bit lower than what it really was. Freddie Peralta was projected at 32% owned, came in at like 45% owned or something. So we see those expensive Pitchers, their ownership goes up and in turn, the stacks that you need to fit that combination also goes up with them. Right. So in those instances, and especially in small field, the next thing that we end up seeing also in related to pitcher pricing, and this is something that I learned from um, from the the modeler, I don't remember what his name was, Christian Rappy, I think, uh, he was doing the modeling for Daily Roto a long time ago. Something that I picked up from him was that pitcher pricing also has a large dictation on the stack size that you're going to find when pitchers are more expensive. Typically the stack size, the average stack size goes down, right? Because you're not going to be able to fit
2: in five expensive guys from one team. Right.
3: Right. So what we actually end up seeing in the contest Sims also bear that out is that when we have expensive pitching, the winning lineups are typically more of the spread out lineups and less of the full stacked lineups. So things like if we ever have a slate where Spencer Strider and like, let's do an extreme example. Spencer Strider is 12,000 and Jacob deGrom is, is 10.5, right? Like a prime Jacob deGrom. So those two project for 25 fancy points. And then after them, the next best pitcher is like Julio Teheran or something with like a seven points. In instances like that, the median stack size for GPPs would be really, really low because people wouldn't be forcing it. Like people would still be trying to get okay bats, but with a combination of pitchers that takes up 23,000 of your salary cap, like you only have so many options when it comes to full stacking any team. Right. Like no, five-man
2: stacks, that. it'd be like the Tigers. Right. Right. Nationals, the A's, like you would have to, you would basically have to stack a team with an under four team total.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But if you choose not to, I mean, you could, you could get away with, you know, and you could use those players at, you could still play those two pitchers and play a four man brave stack, mm-hmm. but it only has like the Olsen and Acuna, but then it also plays like Rosario at 4k, you know, like, mm-hmm. so, like a little bit lower, you play four of those guys and then your, your one-offs
3: are legit like, like 2200 bucks. All right,
2: then you play two cheap Tigers and two cheap Pirates or something and then mm-hmm. like and then the Braves go off for 11 runs and you win.
3: Or the Braves go off for zero runs and you still cash because nobody can afford anything. Right, so right. The scores your, are pitch, basically your pitchers just, both
2: get 30 plus points, right. Yeah, the,
3: the scores are basically just your pitchers scored a combined 60 fancy points and then you hope that you got some single dink and dunks, and the winning GPP lineup is like 106 or right. something like that. We see instances like that. So, the, but there, the, but there the, is a level.
2: But, but James, you have to admit that even in small field, there is a level where it it's too owned. Yes, yeah, but absolutely. it's but it's but you. I I I think what you should glean out of this, what people generally should, is that. That obviously the, the ownership, the projected ownership here at Roto Grinders are all based around large field contests,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? And then obviously in small field contests, ownership will condensed in a barbell barbell fashion. Yep. But you shouldn't necessarily compare your small field, like the actual to the large field actual. Things need to be taken in context. So, yes, in the extreme examples of like, well, the 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 national stack is twelve percent, you know, projected to be twelve percent in large field. You project them to be twenty percent in small field, and if in small field they're sixty percent owned, like they're over it. Like screw you. They're they're yeah. no matter what configuration you can make in construction, you can make with your lineups. That's just way too much on an eleven game slate mm-hmm. or something. But it's quite possible that they should be twenty three percent on. They should be twenty five percent owned even on an 11 game slate, just due to dynamics of how the pitching goes. And I think that on the slates that the pitching is less, there's less of a gap between pitchers. Those, I think those are the slates where getting more contrarian actually benefits you because like, like we're talking about slates with Strider. We're talking about a slate with a 55, 60% on pitcher on slates where you look at and you go, Well, who are the pitchers on the slate? Like the top projected pitcher is like 17. And then the next four are like 15, 15, 14, 13. And you look at this and you go, should the 17 point projected pitcher be 87%? Like there's enough, there's not enough of a gap there. And there's enough, there's five other options that are within two points. Like it seems like those are the slates where it's like that's when you may get oh well the 11k pitcher that's only projects for 17 gets jammed in with an 8k pitcher the A stack becomes chalk
3: mm-hmm. and you're
2: like the two points extra in pitching projection isn't worth the combinatorics of having such an own lineup especially in small field together but on the slates where it's like Spencer Trider is nine points higher projected than like every other pitcher on the slate. Mm-hmm. Like those are the slates where you look at and you go, "Oh my god, the A's are like 30% owned." LOL. And then you, then your sims would show that, yeah, maybe they should be 30% owned cuz you building a lineup without Spencer Strider in small field, like you're putting yourself such behind behind the ball mm-hmm. that you're better off just taking the A stack at that point.
3: Well, and yesterday, so this, this kind of like ties everything together of my prep for this, for the live final. I said at the beginning of this, that most of the season, I would have just said, screw at screw Oakland stacks and Washington stacks, uh, and just gone with like Houston and paid down at pitcher, but based on contest sims and based on small field stuff, it's really important for me to understand the dynamics of small field and how these contests work out so what i ended up doing instead was saying okay well i i have to get into a mode of playing the things that work best in small fields rather than just playing the things that look the best in my models and i actually did end up with i had freddie the best play i had washington and oakland looking at each other as the best stacks i went with a better offense quote unquote of washington rather than the better matchup of oakland and ended up they're both, they're,
2: they're both crappy offense
3: they're both crappy offenses, but Washington is a little bit better than than Oakland. Um, and then I just ended up looking at the rest of the chalk and using a pitcher that I thought was good direct leverage against the other piece of chalk, which was Minnesota. I ended up using Ranger Suarez, who in the contest Sims, he, he was optimal 31% of the time. He was only projected 15% ownership. I'll take that. And then just ate chalk pretty much elsewhere. And, and I ended up with Freddy Peralta, Rangers, Suarez, Washington stack with Houston and Seth Brown. And that's how I have to play this This live final is looking at it and not being like, well, the field is dumb because I can't think that about a live final, right? When well, I look at the, the people, contest in for the live final, like it's a bunch of smart people. So, not necessarily.
2: There are people that wouldn't that need, the, especially the low stakes kind of live final qualifiers.
3: I, I would say that the live final is about the sharpest field that you're going to play.
2: Yes, I agree with you. Yes, but I mean, but it doesn't mean everyone. everyone. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm there,
3: so like, of
2: course it's not <laughs> everyone. <laughs> no, the, you go you go to live finals. You see people that Joe Schmo built a lineup on the in, on the toilet that that got yeah. there with you know a two one 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 with the uh, Nikki Lopez as a one off. I mean, the, the, you see some of those, but it's it's not it's not a large proportion. It's 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 most it's mostly the sharpest players in DFS.
3: Yeah, yeah. That play live finals. Yeah. So there's something
2: to say. There are plenty of sharp people that you don't see there that
0: we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed Data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com bluewire. That's harrys.com bluewire for a $3 trial set.
2: Either don't play live finals or they play cash games or whatever. Right. I mean, live final isn't all the be-all end-all of everything.
3: No, and I and I know just from looking at a, at a couple of the lineups that have won live finals this year. Um, like there was that one that I was just livid that they ended up beating me. It was Jackie Trehorn, who went on a a wild. I'm talking run. about a
2: qualifier. You're not talking about a, the actual final.
3: No, the, the qualifier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, he he won with a lineup that was like a three one 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 with a pitcher with a hitter against his own pitcher, and like it was the worst lineup I've ever seen, but it ended up winning. So I get to compete against that at least. Um, there, there will be lineups that I I still have to put in that are like quote unquote bad, but I am going to have to retool the the contest sims a little bit to to force in a little bit more stacks because currently I don't think that it would capture enough of the stacking that would happen in the line.
2: Right. Do you, do you think, do you think because your, your, your projection model is much, is is more sh- uh, small sample focused that simply just, like playing, like playing a f- playing a five, whatever the best five three in your projections or something. Just saying, well, I'm the only, I'm the one with these projections. So like, screw ownership, screw it. Like I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go with what I built and just whatever it is, and that's what you play.
3: That would be great if I wanted first or last. It'd be awesome, but I don't.
2: Well, you no. think it would be that? You think your 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 model would be that different? Probably
3: not that different, but like over the course of the year, yes. I do think that my model is that different because there are, I, I'm at odds with the bad X all year. Like me and Cardi's models disagree constantly.
2: Do you have Glasnow for 7 million strikeouts today? Cause he's on the, he's under on, on, on Glasnow strikeouts. Yeah, of,
3: cu- of course he is. Um, what do I have? for?
2: Uh, what do, what do you have his fan what do you what what do you have his fan duel fantasy point projection?
3: That's a good question.
2: I only know. I only say this because uh, you know I I I've, I've already taken his under 40 and a half.
3: Uh for Glass now on FanDuel I have him at 38.
2: Okay. So I mean But I mean Cardi has him at 31.
3: <laughs> okay.
2: But he has him like one like almost a, more than a full strikeout below. Like he has them for like six point three strikeouts.
3: Ah, hold on, I can find my pitcher stats. Okay, there they are. Uh, I have Glass now for seven point six strikeouts.
2: Okay, so you're more on, on with Atlanta. Atlanta Q is like seven point four.
3: Yeah, yeah, I have him at seven point six, and that is the highest that I have of anybody on the slate. I have Scherzer at seven point three. Okay, and then nobody else above. One pitcher above six, and that's Kelly. I have Merrill Kelly at six point three one, and then nobody else above.
2: Okay.
3: But yeah, I mean, to that—that's kind of what I mean. Like, I, I Cardi Cardis is uh, is so much more um so more. Much more conservative. And, and I don't think conservative. So, no, I don't
2: think conservative. I think it's just that. It, it, you you excel more in smaller sample sizes, and Cardi excels way more in larger samples. Right, yeah, yeah.
3: Well, and that's what I mean by being more conservative. Is he, he's not going to react to the same jumps that I react to. Um, you Tyler only have Glass him at 90.
2: Well, how many pitch? What pitch count do you have him at?
3: Well, Tyler Glass now I don't think, is, like, the best example because he has, like, a pretty good spread in, in terms of, like, we, we pretty much know who Tyler Glass now is. But – after like Tyler glass now is maybe second start or something. I have him at like a 42% strikeout rate or something. Okay. Right. And that that's clearly not going to be something that Cardi sees. So I'll have him project for like nine and nine. That's not today. Points. I
2: got the under.
3: Yeah. So you, you have the under and I what's, what's the line at eight, probably
2: no seven and a, seven and a half.
3: Okay. So I'm right at the line. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that having him at like 6.8 or whatever would be crazy. Um, but nine points under on the fantasy point. I mean, me, I care more about the fantasy point. That's That's considerably lower. Yeah, that's considerably Besides get
2: lower. eight strikeouts, but also give up six runs. I'm, I'm it's
3: probably concerned. because I have him project for seven innings pitch, and I don't think that Cardi does.
2: And what, 90 pitches?
3: Probably about that, yeah. It's really? a good matchup. Giants him. are
2: going to strike out that much? It's a
3: good strikeout for
2: him. Yeah, I know. Uh, Daniel Hutchins says uh, all the EV and live finals comes from winning the ticket. Once you get there, is a crapshoot. Very similar to large poker tournaments. Yep. Once you get to the last few tables, most of the bad players are gone.
3: Right. So that's that's kind of my my goal here. Is I understand. I I already have. Realized- you're not, good,
2: but 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 he's wrong. You're not gone.
3: Well, no, I'm not gone. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm still there. You said before, um, it's
2: like, oh, now you're one of the bad players.
3: And Jackie Treehorn is still there, so you oh, know, okay. him and I just get to battle it out for last. Um. No, but that's that's my goal here, right? Like, if, if my goal was to place first or last to have that barbell effect live final, then I would be playing just straight my models because I think that uh, I take enough stands, and especially with the hitter projections, I take enough stands that that would make me notably different. Um, but that's not really my goal, right? Like, we've talked about this. We talked about it, I think, last week where my goal really is more to finish in the 15th to 30th percentile. Like that's really what I'd like to finish in. So my goal is more to look at the field and have an understanding of what people are going to be playing and try to find maybe one point of direct level leverage that gives me win equity, but then not to be as like different as I could be.
2: You know what I suggest?
3: What would you suggest?
2: I would suggest you, in addition to the live final, contest you play the 888 or something like one of the one of the oh, highest
3: yeah
2: play one of the uh, also and then literally just throw your best fi- whatever it five man stack line just whatever oh. your projections say as if like you're not competing against anyone and just go you press the button and that lineup <laughs> goes in there because then the worst case scenario which yeah. like if i just would have played my best lineup i would have won a million dollars it's like well, at least I won a hundred thousand right. winning, you know, winning that contest.
3: Well, and that's why I wanted two tickets. That's why I kept aiming for cues to the year. Okay. I wanted two tickets to be able to do that. Specifically, I wanted two tickets to be able to play one conservative lineup, like I plan to do, and then one just like what I think the best possible lineup is. So be.
2: there, I think I, I have the best company, you know. You solved
3: it. Yeah, you and solved even it. Even if you absolutely. wanted to
2: play it in all the co- if you want to put two K in with the two fifty yeah. and the one twenty. So it's like maybe if that wins, maybe you make hundred and seventy-five but two hundred thousand. Yep. Off of that. And so at yeah. least you have the peace of mind to say, if I just would have played. Right. But my models lineup, you just, you know, whatever.
3: Yep. Yep. Nope. That's, that's, that's a good the, idea. That's the right idea. Love that.
2: Well, I don't know if it's the right idea. I'm just saying that, <laughs> it, that, it, that, it, that. Why, why not? I mean, that it should be a plus EV lineup into anything that you play mm-hmm. anyway. So yeah. if, you're, if, if you're purposely like choosing not to play your models, top projected lineup, mm-hmm correlated projected lineup in the live final like at least played in something
3: yeah well and and i mean this this kind of comes down to like i i think and and i've been on this train for i don't know maybe three years i guess since we started since we started the theory of daily fantasy sports um i've kind of been on the field or the train that um so much of. are, there, BFL, are you
2: being on the field or the train because one's a one's you're moving and one's just standing still on the train I, oh, okay you're, you're moving you're
3: on the train okay moving um I've, I've kind of i've just kind of been in the mindset that dfs these days and the best edge you can get is to understand how to play correctly in contests that you're in um, the size you mean say again the size the field yeah the size. Well, the, the size and the payout structure right? Yeah, right Like those two things are so important and projections so many people have good projections now and i'm not saying that the edge is not there obviously there's still edge but so many people have good projections that I think that utilizing projections and putting together your best median lineup will get you a long way. But I think that there is a lot to be gained from understanding how you should play a contest and maybe not using projections at the end all be all. Um, I think that they're, they're the exploitive idea of this is how this contest is likely to be played. This is where the payout structures matter. Here's where the EV lands what is the thing that benefits me the most in playing this contest? Oh, it's playing a lot of uh, this contest pays out half of the field. Okay. Well, I want to finish in the half of the field. The projections don't matter as much, but building a lineup that finishes in the 45th percentile is very important. So maybe ownership matters more in this contest.
2: Right. Well, live finals are especially much flatter than normal day-to-day DFS contests. So like the equity, the equity that you get at the 80th percentile is much you get, there's much more equity there than you would normally see, on a day-to-day right. basis. Getting coming in coming in eleventh place in a live final from a payout structure, the how the equity goes, it's still a hockey stick, but it's less of a... It's less, right, right. So, so much, much much flatter towards the top. So like, dude, coming in eighth is if in, on, a, on a large field contest, coming in eighth is like is steak knives. It's like oh. Yeah. It doesn't matter, you know, coming in third versus coming in second is, is a big deal. Like, but in this contest, it's like, dude, like if you cut, you come in 14th place, like you get a decent chunk of money Yeah. in comparison to other contests.
3: Yeah. So the, the way that, that that's why the way that I've been looking at this is like feasibly, if I wanted to play a cash game lineup in the live final, I could, I could, Okay what is
2: what does 15th place pay?
3: Okay. So the, the structure here 15th in live final pays uh 50,000. So an extra 30,000 on top of the already paid out min, min structure.
2: Okay, well, that's that's pretty good.
3: That's great, right? right? Um the 50th, if you place half, you still make another 10 grand.
2: Right. And if you don't come in you already got the 20k. 51st right. and below. Right? It's a 100 it's 100, 100 finalists, right?
3: Yeah. And you get, you get paid out top 75. So it's another 5,000.
2: Okay. Another five. Oh, okay.
3: So like feasibly playing, if you play a cash lineup in the live final, you're, you're almost guaranteed 5k.
2: And it also, this is all dependent on, I mean, your ROI is all dependent on how much money you actually put in. Right. There are people, I mean, let me just tell you. Oh, I know. There are people (laughs) that will come in like, what, what is fourth
3: place pay? Fourth place pays uh,
2: $208,000. It's quite possible that someone that came in fourth place lost money. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. That Maybe not that out. many,
2: but it's quite possible that someone that comes in fourth place has lost it. Someone that comes in 10th place could have easily lost money on the whole thing. Now, for you, I don't know if you want to disclose, like, how much, like, is it possible for you to lose money on this? Based on how much you how my how much money you've spent on qualifiers?
3: No, it's not possible. I've locked right. in. So,
2: like, you're guaranteed to be up no matter what.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, my baseball season, I I will finish the baseball season up at least ten grand, at least. Just based on life on. So, I, I it like for me feasibly like I it does not matter how I approach this so long as I do not go for first or last. Like if I finish in the top seventy-five, I have locked in an extra five grand, and that's cool. Um, for for some other people, obviously, for the people who have been maxing out qualifiers, like for them, it's probably likely that they should aim for first or last, that they should be going for that, and not playing a cash line.
2: Right, Daniel says a few of the DK qualifiers cost seven thousand to enter.
3: I also did not play those. I played one. I played one fifteen hundred qualifier and placed second, so I almost had another ticket, but. Is
2: what it is. Uh, one question before we get out of here: uh, JWH asks, "Are the contest sims are you wor- that you're working on going to account for lineup duplication?" Do you, I would figure in baseball, it happens not. At, I mean, obviously in small field, it could happen more because. Mm-hmm. Of the, based, to me, I don't know about you, but MLB, I almost put dupli- I, uh, duplication almost. I don't even, I don't even factor.
3: It's going to happen when i'm creating 50 million instances of lineup like it's going to happen um i would say that the the duplication on it is likely pretty low for small field when we, when i build this out for showdown it'll be different like that that one will i'll have to consider but for for regular contests duplication is not something that i worry too much about uh however there are plenty of lineups that have duplicate winning instances. So um, like if if you think about a lineup that uh, like say that it's a, a lineup where it's a really, really chalky slate and like the, the, the really popular lineups end up crushing, um, there will be instances in the contest sims where a lineup might win out of 20,000 simulations, something like 80 times, right? Like there's going to be instances of that. Um, And that's where your EV measurement comes in is how often can this lineup do well or win the contest out of 20,000 situations. So in that instance, yeah, there's going to be times when the seed frame maybe duplicates the RG optimal or something like that, and then they end up winning and taking first together or something like that. So, uh, that's the long form. The short form answer is no, you don't really have to worry about lineup duplication. It'll happen, but it doesn't happen enough for me to be concerned about it. And, and I also want it to be natural in the way that it is creating lineups and duplication does happen in baseball on certain instances. So I want it to be able to do that. I think that's one of the things that, um, kind of makes this like a true contest sim is not holding its hand too much when it comes to stupid instances like that or hitters against the pitcher or something like these things that if you were to build a, a like 5,000 lineups and an optimizer, like you're not going to have them, but they do happen in a contest. I think that it's important to kind of let it breathe a little bit like that and, and introduce some of those dumb instances so that you know, that you're competing against a more plausible field.
2: Well, I hope I, in your live final coming up in the weekend that you get plenty of dumb instances
3: yeah i do too it'd be great to win a million bucks man that'd be really cool
2: uh but you're not going to be on the show this coming monday because you'll be traveling back yeah and if you do win the million maybe you're not on the previous Monday, the next monday show either.
3: <laughs> no we, we do this for fun we do we, we do this really for do fun
2: this. it doesn't matter
3: i don't right? get paid for this right like yeah, you're I gonna
2: see just you in the life. back in the back of your shot you're gonna be you know it's gonna be luxuries. You're gonna have fine
3: art on the wall or something. I, the, I, I know
2: I, none. I know that you're gonna be doing none of that. <laughs> no,
3: no, The only thing somebody asked me what I was gonna do if I won a million bucks. The only thing is, I'll be buying a 2024 Porsche Taycan. That's it. I'll be buying myself a Porsche. Uh, that's the only thing that, that I will. Really Seems like a
2: wise investment.
3: Uh, well, I mean, I, I need to get a new car, and I want to get an electric anyway. And how much like, is that will... cost? Say that again.
2: How much is that car?
3: uh like 100 grand or something like that okay
2: well yeah. remember you have to million when the million you have to take you have to take away at least probably three hundred fifty thousand. yeah
3: back. yeah i know i know i know so i i well and i said in the i don't know where i said it i said that i was excited to be a millionaire before taxes because <laughs> had like, the taxes just right you after that
2: right that's why the canadian the canadians that are playing right. they, they have a they have an edge on everyone
3: right yeah their ev is is so much higher if you live in Canada, congrats right. to you. But, uh, yeah, I, I planned on, I didn't plan on buying it outright. I still want a car payment. Um, but like 50,000. Oh, yeah. $50, Cause yeah. the
2: interest rates are so great
3: now. Well, the interest rates kind of suck, but I'm still building my credit. It's only like seven Oh five at this point. Okay. Um, So that, that is one thing that I'll be doing if I do end up winning it.
2: Uh, Okay. So, so you'll do, so you'll do, you'll do the the show after you win the million out of your call. Yes. Yeah.
3: I will do it outside in my car. I will set up my camera on, on my garage and you will just be looking at me in my new car.
2: Right. You have to pose Um, in front of it, just like the Instagram influencers.
3: Right. But I'll be proposing to that car. I've already proposed Uh, to Margaret. So I will be proposing to the car actually on, on (laughs) video. Be safe.
2: Well, we, well we, we we all wish you luck. See, I could wish you luck because I'm not in the contest,
3: right? Right, yeah, yeah. You don't right? have to Daniel worry about.
2: in the chat. He wants you to, to crash and burn.
3: I would be happy to take second to Daniel. That'd be cool. That's not That's the competitive spirit. I I am going into this contest hoping I place 15th, Jordan. Like, <laughs> placing second would be great.
2: Right, you're like, okay, these fourteen people could be better than me. Yeah, no. whatever.
3: Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. Fourteen percent of the fields can be better than me. But I would love to have fifteenth and an extra thirty grand for NFL season.
2: Daniel says he's getting a Lambo with his Millie. That boy.
3: Yep, that's the way to do it. Right. Okay, so people could follow
2: you. Uh, are you gonna post? Are you gonna post your lineup? Are you gonna post on Twitter and yeah. Are you gonna put? you gonna say here's the contest link? I mean, people post them. We'll we'll find out anyway.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll post the link on Twitter, um, Pater underscore DFS over at uh, Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it these days. I don't know what the kids are calling it. Um and then if you're interested in like the contests and stuff, I post the results every single day in the Pater Discord. Like I post the small field and the large field results for pitchers and stacks every single day in the in the Discord. And you can find the link over uh over at paterdfs.com
2: Right. And you are also, you're in the Roto-Grinders Discord as well. And that
3: too. Yeah. You can always ask me, like, if you're in the roto Discord and you want me to post that stuff in the rotor grinders Discord, I can. I don't mind. I don't mind. Right.
2: Sure. Right. You're multi cam in yep. the MLB chat. Yep. Multi-chem. Uh, Paydirt underscore DFS on Twitter. I'm BlenderHD on Twitter. You can follow me always there. Uh, if you want to learn more about this, Theory Daily Fantasy Sports, how to think like a professional DFS player, the 15-hour audio DFS masterclass as well as Theory DFS for advanced players, which includes the custom Excel tools that James has developed. And I do use on a regular basis. It comes with a 10 chapter audio course, how to apply profitable DFS strategies for advanced players, pick them both up theory of DFS.com. And I'll be back. I'll be back tomorrow. Right. We still got baseball NFL coming up. Send in your NFL questions. I'll be doing an NFL primer like the week before two weeks before the season. So send those in questions at theoryofdfs.com because that's what I do here. You send your questions, I have answers. Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS Free Game Show on rotogrinders.com.